this last week, you saw the, some of the highlights of VBS this last week. We had between five and 600 kids. Now imagine inviting five or 600 kids over to your house, right? <clears throat> uh, it, was, it was just, this whole campus was just a buzz the whole week. I know the, the volunteers, thank you so much for those that volunteered. I know that is an exhausting investment, uh, <clears throat> but we appreciate it. I know that it will make a difference in kids' life for years to come. So thank you all for stepping up and, and pulling all that off last week. Well, I want you and I to consider something. Let me ask you a question. It's just, uh, I, I think I know the answer, but I want to see and take a bit of a poll. Has anybody ever felt overwhelmed? Okay. I figured this might be a relatable topic today. Uh, I, it was interesting. I ran across this uh, article from Consumer Reports, and, and it's almost making the point that just going to the grocery store can, can be overwhelming. Uh, and it's interesting the tactic took to express that. It said, for example, Crest toothpaste. I did not know this. Did you know that there are 27 different varieties of Crest toothpaste? Now, who needs 27 varieties of toothpaste? Evidently, somebody does. Uh, Campbell's Soup, did you know, according to Consumer Reports, there are 53 different choices when it comes to picking a can of soup uh, in the grocery store. Tropicana Pure Premium Orange Juice, you can get a size everywhere from 8 ounces to 128 ounces if you want. There's a lot of choices, overwhelming. Uh, Briar's Ice Cream, this was amazing to me. Uh, there are the following possibilities just in the category of van vanilla, natural, French half, the fat, no sugar added, extra creamy, homemade, lactose-free, carb-free. And that's, again, just the vanilla categories uh, with Breyer's ice cream. Cheerios, you like Cheerios? Let me tell you about Cheerios just for a moment. You can get original, you can get honey nut, honey nut medley, crunch, apple cinnamon, Banana nut, frosted, chocolate multigrain, multigrain peanut butter, something I can't even pronounce, and then cinnamon burst. That's just Cheerios. Tide liquid detergent. If you want detergent, we've got detergent. You can get original scent, plus Febreze, plus Febreze Sport, free and gentle, plus bleach alternative, cold water, clean breeze, mountain spring, plus downy with Actolife. I'm not sure what Actolife is for your laundry, but hey, it must be a good thing. Head and shoulder shampoo. You want shampoo? You can get it. There are active sport, old spice, deep clean, hair endurance, refresh, extra strength for men. Men, it makes you stronger, I suppose. Citrus breeze, ocean lift, dry scalp care with almond oil. Uh, classic clean, sensitive scalp care, itchy scalp with eucalyptus. Smooth and silky, extra volume, green apple damage rescue. <laughs> I love that. Ex I guess from the other shampoos. And then extra strength. <laughs> Clinical strength plus seven more just in, this, in the, the shampoo category. You've been to the grocery store, isn't it amazing and paralyzing? Well, today, it's do they have it with our supply chain issues? But nonetheless, just going to the store can be an overwhelming experience, can it not? Now, we're going to talk something much deeper and more important than that, life. Life can be overwhelming, can it not? And, and you see, here's the good news is that's not new to modern day people. David talks about being overwhelmed all the way back thousands of years ago in Psalm 3. 
And he's honest. I want you to see two things. He's honest about feeling overwhelmed about the reality around him. First of all, he didn't put his head in the sand. We're going to look at that. But then I want you now to look at the response David has in the midst of feeling overwhelmed with life. Now, there's two footnotes before we read Psalm uh, chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. The first one is that Psalm 3, this is the first time you see a title on the psalm in this collection of psalms. So it's the first time it shows up and it's a title related to David's son Absalom. And if you're not familiar with that story, you can go look in 2 Samuel chapters 15 and 16 for the details. But Absalom basically rose up in rebellion towards David, the king of Israel at the time, and tried to kill him, throw him away from the front, throw him off of the throne, and seize it by control. He started a civil war. So David is leaving in the dead of night when he was inspired to write this psalm. And he's in fear for his life. He has been stabbed in the back by his own son. So he's writing this from a place of pain and sensing and feeling and being overwhelmed. But the second footnote I want you to note as we look into Psalm 3 is that this is much more broadly applied as you're going to see in this Psalm to more than just David's personal pain, but to all of us. He makes it very clear that this applies to you and me. Well, we started with how many feel overwhelmed, right? So we're all on the same page. We've all felt it. If you haven't felt overwhelmed at time, hang in there, you will. Life will do that to you when it comes along. Let's look and see what David, the example he gives to us in terms of seeking God and finding God. You see, according to the Bible, if you seek him, you will find him. But also, if you don't seek him, guess what? You don't find him in life. Look at what he says, verse one. He says, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. My glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. Lie down and sleep I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes, what? Deliverance. May your blessing be on not just David, but your people. He applies it to all. Now look back at the beginning of the story here in verse one, and I want you to notice the imagery that David is using. He is in essence using hand-to-hand combat, which of course in his day, thousands of years ago, ancient Israel, that's how wars were fought. It was hand-to-hand swords and shields and the the whole bit. And the picture he gives us in verse one in particular is of one enemy coming at you, dealing with that, and then not before you get that one taken care of another one comes at you from the other side or from the front side or from the back you are surrounded and you're being accosted you're being overwhelmed in the midst of the battle and it's a picture of not being able to find a way out And so David is being honest about what's going on. He is aware of the reality. He's not putting his head in the sand about what's happening. He's embracing it. He's actually looking at it full force. And I want you to notice verse 1. Do you see any question marks on those two statements he made? 
Look at it close. Is there a question mark? No, there's actually an exclamation mark. So David, when he said, Lord, how many are my foes? He's not asking a question. He's making a statement of fact. And when he says, how many rise up against me? He's saying, I'm being overwhelmed, Lord. I'm being overwhelmed, God, by these people, by all these circumstances coming at me at one time. He's making a statement of fact. He's recognizing the reality. Now, here's what's one thing that is interesting in verse 1. He describes his enemies with the word foes. And the word foes is not the typical word to use to depict your enemies because that word means to be hemmed in. It means the walls are closing in on you. It means to be in a tighter and tighter spot in, his, in the midst of his circumstance or his battle. So, so David is making it clear that he feels overwhelmed and he's, he's feeling distressed. And I want you to notice one other thing. What does his enemies do? to David. They don't just fight him. What do they do? Look at it close. They whisper in his ear. Maybe they shout it in his face. What do they tell him? God's not here. God's not going to deliver you. They're trying to get in his head. They're trying to discourage him and intimidate him. And you and I will have that experience, will we not? Let's pause just for a moment. How does this apply to your life or my life? I think it applies very much so parallel to today. I like what this, this one author said about this passage. Whenever adversity strikes, we have a choice. We can turn from God or we can turn to God. We can use suffering to justify unbelief or we can use suffering as a spur to belief. We'll get to what all that means, but look at the application here first. He says, don't deny reality, embrace it. David didn't say, I'm going to go hide. I'm running away from the reality, did he? He said, I'm, I'm going to look at it full face. I'm going to look at it in faith. I'm going to trust that Christ in the moment, Lord, the Lord in the moment will help me. So number one, when it comes to feeling overwhelmed in your own life, don't deny the reality, embrace it. Because that's how your faith is going to grow. And as long as you and I stick our head in the sand, we will not grow from that moment and we won't be prepared for the next. So don't choose to deny it. Do what David did and embrace it. Look at it. Be honest about it. But the second thing is don't let the enemy get into your head. Y'all have seen sports, right? Most of you watch football or whatever, basketball. What do are, what are the players try to do to one another besides beat each other literally with, the, with play, playing the game? Do you see what they do? Don't you... Sometimes I want to hear the, oh, I would love to hear what they're saying to each other, but I'm not so sure I would. But nonetheless, what are they doing? They're trying to get into the opponent's head. They're trying to distract their opponents by jawing with them in between plays. You see it all the time. They're trying to get into their head because if they can get into their head, they're going to distract them from playing the game and doing it well. If people get into your head, if those own self-doubt voices get into your head if satan gets into your head the satanic realm and he'll do that what will that do that will distract you from trusting the one that can get you through the battle listen it is not god's goal to get you through life it is god's desire to help you have victory in life he doesn't want you just to survive he wants you to have victory and that's the picture here with David. 
David is not asking to just survive. David is asking for victory, for deliverance from God's hand itself. And if you and I are going to experience the same thing David is calling out for, don't deny the reality, embrace it, and don't let the enemy, whoever that enemy may be, get into your head. Because that will distract you from seeing Christ in the moment and experiencing who he can be. Now look at verse 3. After the enemy said, God will not deliver you. The first thing I want you to notice is that the enemy used the general word for God, powerful creator of all, to say he's not going to deliver you. But when David heard that voice, what did he do? This is a good but in verse 3. This is a transition verse. Look at what he said. But you, I hear what they're saying. I know what they're whispering, that you're not here, that you've forsaken me. You're not in the circumstance, but, good but, but you what? Did you see it? Hello, are y'all awake today? Y'all wake up. 9.30, I've got to probe y'all a little bit. You just got out of bed, right? He said what? He didn't say God. General word for God, he said Lord. That, why is that significant? Because that word Lord in the Old Testament language is Yahweh. And the word Yahweh was the name for God that meant the covenant God, the personal God. This is the archetype, if you will, of Christ. The word became flesh. Jesus made God personal where he could have a relationship, where we can have a relationship with him. That's what David is describing. He didn't say, God, help me. He said, Lord, the one I have known all along, the one I have been walking with, the one who has been leading the way in my life to this point, Lord. He said, Lord, you are my what? Look at it. You're my shield. Now, that word shield is very specific. It's referring to a smaller round shield that you hold in your arm. And as you, you hold that, it would protect your arms and your upper torso. But the good thing about this particular kind of shield is it allowed you to stay engaged in the fight. See, a bigger shield would lug around and it was more of a defensive posture. But this shield is so that you can engage and stay in the battle. God will protect you in the midst of the battle. He's not going to remove you from the battle because he's got something to do in your life. And when you and I feel overwhelmed, don't put your head in the sand. Don't run away from it. Don't listen to the voices. Listen to Christ. Look for Christ in the midst of feeling overwhelmed. He will, number one, what? He'll be your shield. He'll protect you. Stay engaged in the life that you are experiencing, in the challenges that you are having, and he will protect you. But notice one other thing. Notice in verse 3, he says, but Lord, you, he's, he's not asking, he's making a statement of fact. In the midst of feeling overwhelmed, you are my shield. I've experienced this before. I know you are today. I know you've not left me. You are here and you will protect me. But look at verse 3, my glory, the one, be that, God, the one who what? I love this. You ever heard a coach in sport? I have a lot of sports analogy. This is off the top of my head. You maybe had a coach or even a person says, keep your head what? Why do you say that? Because you're defeated if it's down. That's what that means. That's what he's saying. God, you are lifting my head up. You are giving me the courage in the moment to engage in the battle and trust you with the results. You're not leaving me. You're protecting me. And you're giving, you see, courage is not the absence of fear. 
Courage is facing life even when you feel fear. It is not allowing fear to dictate what you do next. And that's the picture that we have here with David. He recognized the reality and he looked for what only God could do in his life. So what does that mean to you and I? Number one, when it comes to feeling overwhelmed, know first of all, you're not alone. We got a whole body of Christ that would love to walk next to you, with you, pray for you, support you. You're not alone. But don't deny the reality because when you stick your head in the sand, does the problem go away? Typically, you pull your head out of the sand and it's even bigger, right? So don't put your head in the sand. Don't run away from it. Don't deny the reality. Embrace it by faith because Christ, according to God's word, he's more than enough. And, you will, and I will never know that until I practice my faith, until I keep engaging the battle. Number two, don't, don't listen. Don't let the enemy get into your head. But number three, trust Christ for your protection. When? Right smack in the middle of the mess. Right in the middle of the battle, trust him for your protection. And number four, what I see here in these first three verses, rely on Christ for your courage. Rely on him for your courage. You'll see this quote on the screen. One author summarized these three verses in this way. Regardless of the multitude of enemies surrounding and closing in, despite their arrogant rejection of the possibility of deliverance, the psalmist remains confident in the, look, look at this, in the what? The good intent, the heart, the good intent of Yahweh, his Lord, our Christ, Yahweh to deliver and even to bless the faithful. Now let's look at the second part of the story. Look at what happens next because what we see here is not only did David's deliverance cause him, his faith in Christ and in Yahweh cause him to see the reality and not deny it, but it also was deeply rooted in his faith. His faith kept growing because of his response in faith in the midst of the crisis. Look at what I mean. Verse 4, he goes on to say, I call out to who? He didn't say God. He said what? Yahweh. That's the word again. This covenant God who's always been with me. I call out. By the way, that word call out means to scream out. It means to summon. It is 911. He's saying, Lord, I'm in the midst of something I cannot handle on my own. Help. It's intense. It is calling out. And in so doing, he's saying, Lord, I am dependent on you. One step at a time. One battle at a time. One experience at a time. And then he goes on to say, he answers me. I've Look at this. I've experienced this in the past and I'm confident I will experience it today. He answers me from where? The holy mountain. You know what that's referring to? The temple mount. You see in Jerusalem when the temple stood, the mount and the temple itself were considered holy. It represented the presence of God. And he's saying, I am seeking you in my life. And I know I'm going to find you because you'll reveal yourself. And then he goes on, look at verse 5. I lay down and sleep and wake again. Now, how is David sleeping? Hello, did you see the context? He's in the midst of feeling overwhelmed and enemies coming from every side. They don't stop coming. How in the world is he getting a good night's rest? Are you there? Because God's supplying it. It's how. God is giving him a peace. 
And in fact, he goes on to say, verse 5, I wake up again, why? You see why? Because the Lord sustains me. It is God himself that's given me that ability to have peace. And then he says, verse 6, notice, I will not fear even though he sees the reality in front of him still, even though tens of thousands assail me from every side. Now, you can, let's get the picture. Can you imagine being in battle and you've got tens of thousands running at you to, and you've got to fight them? You don't see a way out. You've got to trust God to help you fight through. And in fact, that phrase, you've heard me talk about this before, that phrase, I will not fear. Listen, hear this. It does not mean you don't feel fear. What it means is you respond in faith instead of letting fear be in control. What it means is you don't let fear take over your thinking. What it means is you don't let fear dictate your choices in the moment. Does that make sense? Listen, it is, it is not a sin to feel fear. It's what you do next that can become something that either is trusting Christ or not, right? So feel fear, that's human. What you do next can be inspired by Christ or not. And then he says, arise, Lord. And that phrase, arise, means rise up for a purpose. Rise up for victory. God, I'm trusting you for victory. I'm going to hang in there with feeling overwhelmed. I'm going to keep facing my circumstances in faith and not let fear dictate what I do next and how I think and what I choose. I'm going to choose you. And then he says, deliver me, God. Strike all my enemies in the jaw and break down, break the teeth of the wicked. That's the hand-to-hand combat. You see, war in David's day was very personal and up close. It was not far away with drones and whatever it may be today. It was up close and personal. But I want you to see the very last verse. From the Lord. Did you see it? Not from David. Not from his techniques. Not from the last class he took on self-help. What did he say? From the Lord. In the middle of my mess. In the middle of my battle. In the middle of feeling overwhelmed with life, from the Lord comes what? Deliverance. And that's an idea of victory over not just making it through. Not just surviving, but victory. And then he says, may your blessing be on your people. You see that word blessing means the favor of God. It means the gift of God. And in fact, in some parts of the Old Testament, it is pictured of a rainstorm coming through an arid land, which would fit the, the, of course, the Middle East at the time, a a dry and arid land. Have you ever seen pictures of hard rains, good rains coming on a desert? And so I, I wish I'd brought some today. I've shown them to you in the past. Nothing but just bone dry sand and then a rainstorm comes through, a rain season comes through that desert and all of a sudden you see this, it's almost like a jungle, this beautiful colors and and vegetation and life that comes. That's the picture. God, if you will seek him, you will find him. But you got to seek him to find him. He wants to reveal himself to you. Listen, not just in the good times, not just on the mountaintops, but right in the middle of when you're feeling overwhelmed. That's when Christ wants to reveal himself to you. That's when he wants you to find him. And he says, may your blessings be on your people. He's making an assumption that that will be the case if 
his people will trust him. I saw this story of a young pastor that was moving with his family into a new home and they had all the furniture delivered. He was going to set up a home office as well. So he left the biggest piece of furniture for last to deal with to arrange. And it was this big desk, this huge desk he had, and he was setting up a, a room as a home office. And he was in there shoving and pushing all by himself to get that big desk inch by inch over to the other side of the room to get it all set up. And his four-year-old boy, his son, comes into the room and says, Daddy, can I help you? And so he let his little four-year-old get up against the desk, and that little four-year-old was grunting and pushing just like dad was, and inch by inch they were moving it. But before long, the little four-year-old, four-year-old looked up at dad and said, Dad, you're in my way. <laughs> so dad just in the moment was surprised by that thought, but he stepped back, and he let the four-year-old push the desk. Of course, the desk was going nowhere with the four-year-old pushing it on his own, Right? He was grunting and pushing, and it wasn't going anywhere. But the dad learned something. He learned two things. Number one, the four-year-old thought he was doing all the work. The four-year-old thought he was doing the heavy lifting. (laughs) But he realized he had been distressed and stressed out about his ministry for years. You know what the dad realized? He thought he was doing all the heavy lifting while he was leaving his father out of the process, right? Right? He thought it was all on him and he was doing it all. And it dawned on him with his four-year-old who wasn't even trying to teach his dad a lesson. I've been doing the same thing. I've been looking up at God and saying, God, you're in my way. And then going on trying to deal with life on my own terms. You see, David, he had had those moments in his life too. And he came to the place where he realized he can't do it on his own. How about you? He got overwhelmed enough and enough times to realize, Father, I I need you. It's not that I just want you. I absolutely need you in my life. I cannot do this on my own. But with you, you can deliver me. You can deliver me from the worst of the worst, the most overwhelming of moments in life. So my question for you and I this morning is real simple. When it comes to your moment of being overwhelmed next, whenever that may come, when it comes to your moment, are you going to include Christ? Are you going to exclude Christ? Are you going to let it inspire you to get closer to him or use it as an excuse to withdraw from him? Are you going to look up at your heavenly father and say, Father, you're in my way? Or are you going to look up at him and say, Lord, I need you? Every hour, I need you. I need you right here, right now. One day, one moment at a time. If you will, bow your heads with me just for a moment. I'm going to pray. And just in a moment as we sing together and we all stand as after I pray, if you, by any chance, you're facing something, maybe even right now, that you just feel overwhelmed about and you would like somebody to pray with you, Come forward. I will be down here and we'll have some deacons available to pray with you right now if you would like that. There's nothing to fear, nothing to be embarrassed about. If We all have those moments. And as we're singing and we've all stood, just come forward during this time and we will be glad to pray with you just in this moment right now. I'll be out in the atrium as well 
immediately after the service to speak with you about faith in Christ if that's a, something you need and or pray with you. But let's pray together to begin with. Father, thank you that Christ is more than enough. Thank you that you've promised us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, life and voices can start convincing us otherwise when we feel overwhelmed. When we hit those moments in life where we, we are not and we don't feel in control, and we've got to take it one step at a time. I pray, Father, that we will choose that one right step at a time to include you in our life, to seek you in order to find you right in the middle of the mess, right in the middle of our battles and challenges. And Father, for anyone feeling overwhelmed, I, I pray that we can be the body of Christ, a, a point of encouragement and strength for them as well, whether member or guest. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen.